Again, that's Romans 8, 9 through 11, as you look for it in your scripture, in your Bible. Um, I was so glad that they sung It Is Well With My Soul inside, because they did it outside. Um, and, and it's a beautiful, beautiful hymn, a beautiful song. And sometimes in our lives, we may not feel like singing it. It can be really difficult to say, let alone sing, it is well with my soul. From pain and sorrow and grief and our own sin, we can get mired in the darkness of it. But when we listen to the words of that hymn and each verse as it goes through, leads us to greater assurance that it is well with our soul. That things, that though Satan may come at us, though we may fall down, we remember that our sin was nailed there on the cross with Jesus. And it's because of Christ, him crucified. It's because of the Holy Spirit living in us that even in the midst of those very, very hard times, painful times, we can say with confidence, it is well with my soul. And I think the scripture today, if you listen to it with that understanding, we'll also hear an encouragement from Paul here in Romans 8, verse 9 and 11, that will give us assurance in all moments and all times that it is well with our soul. Hear now the reading from Romans 8, beginning in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us bow our heads and open our hearts to prayer to God. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as Christians, as, as people gathered here today, if you've been in the church for some time, or possibly even just merely living in the United States and knowing who Billy Graham is, you have heard the words, born again. And we may have our own understanding of what born again is. For some of us, it may give us good feelings, and some we may have been done wrong or been dealt heavy-handed by someone coming at us with those words. But even though we might be familiar with it or not, it's always good to go back and hear them from the source anyways. And these words appear in John's gospel, chapter 3. Don't worry, we're still in Romans today. 
But in John's gospel, in chapter 3, there in the beginning, we're introduced to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and he's a ruler. And remember, if we, if we remember correctly in the gospels, the Pharisees were attempting to catch Jesus in a trap, always asking him questions, hoping to box him in to where they could label him a blasphemer, or they could discredit him. Well, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in darkness, in the middle of the night, so that his peers do not see him. And when he arrives to Jesus, he confesses to Jesus and compliments Jesus by saying, you are a teacher sent from God. This is true. And so we pick up in verse 3, and we read this. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. These are powerful words we hear from Jesus. I personally am grateful for Nicodemus's clarifying question. Oftentimes we can find ourselves in Scripture Jesus speaking in a parable that doesn't seem to have the proper ending or saying something where there is no clarifying question and we are often left to figure it out on our own. But Nicodemus here does the work for us and asks, what does that mean? How is that even possible? And Jesus blesses us with an answer. Jesus lays out exactly how salvation works. Born of water pointing to baptism and born of spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. One doesn't come without the other in true conversion. Born again is what Jesus said. A must, he said, must be born again. Non-negotiable from Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Oftentimes we, we turn to maybe it's morality, maybe it's church membership, and those are good on their own, but those do not save. Faith in Christ and him leading us to the water and putting his spirit in us, that is born again. And so we as Christians, we claim this. We claim we have been born again. This is how we speak of our conversion because this is how our Lord spoke of our conversion. And it's here in Romans 8 verses 9 through 11 that Paul, when he is talking to the believers in Rome, he describes what it means. He describes what it looks like to be born of the Spirit. Now, we must be careful when we read Paul. And if we carefully look at how Paul uses his words, we notice that last week when we were in verses 5 through 8, 
Paul uses the words, those who, right? He says, those who live according to the flesh have set their minds on the things of the flesh. And those who live according to the Spirit have set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And Paul does this. He's writing in the abstract in this point so that he can get the principle across, so he can demonstrate the two types of humans that exist, so he can compare and contrast, so he can give us instruction and guide us for self-examination. But here in verse 9, he begins, You... However, there's the change. It's subtle, but the change is there. Or maybe your translation said, but you. And in the King James, it says, but ye. So he goes from talking about to. And here he's speaking to those who are in Christ. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in you, Scripture declares. For it's at that very moment of your salvation that the Holy Spirit is living in you. You're not perfect in that moment, but the Holy Spirit lives in you in that moment. And this is a dramatic change. This is that born again, right? And so when Nicodemus hears these words, you must be born again, and he can't fathom how that's possible. And Jesus says, born of water, born of spirit. It's a dramatic change. It's the inside out. It's what Chris pointed to in the painting. It's the light that begins to be painted in the darkness. You are in the spirit because God gave it to you. Not because you commanded it or demanded it. We are not that powerful. And so to be born of the Spirit, as Jesus said, is to have the Holy Spirit dwell in you. That's what Paul says, that the Spirit dwells in you. The Spirit of God dwells in you, right? He says, you, however, so he's talking to believers, those who have been born again, not only born of water, but also born of Spirit. You have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. Now, this word dwell, I, I, I often only hear it in church settings. And so it becomes almost as if it's a secret language, a code language, a word reserved solely for us in the church. But when we really look deep into it, dwell in the Greek is oikeo, meaning to live in as a home. And so when... You, however, the spirit of the living God has taken up, this is my edit, permanent residence in you. Not temporary, not transient, permanent residence 
in you. Hear these words that Paul says, that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And when he says that, he says it permanently. That at that moment of your conversion, that moment of your second birth, when the Spirit came to live in you, it was for now and forevermore. It was a gift given to you not to be taken away. Now, it's important that we hear these words, this encouragement that's here, right? So when it's hard to sing, it is well with my soul. When we're in the midst of pain, when we've been convicted of our own sin and his struggle with how to go through reconciliation, we hear the encouragement, the Holy Spirit lives in you permanently. You know, at the beginning of this chapter, he says the great words, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we are also a forgetful bunch. We forget. We can get bogged down and mired in our own despair, in our own sin, in our own pride, our own ego. And we can forget and begin to wallow and wonder, well, that no condemnation handled then, but it doesn't surely cover this. And Paul says, yes, it does, for you are in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives in you permanently. And it's important that you know you are now in the Spirit. You don't have to chase it. You don't have to run it down. The Holy Spirit, by living in you, designates you, marks you, has sealed you as belonging to God forever. And it can't be broken. It won't be undone. As much as you think you may have done to undo it, it's not true. It's never left. Not been forsaken. And so he continues on, and in verse 10 he says, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin... The spirit is life because of righteousness. For this is the truth of the world we live. From the moment we are born, we begin dying. From the moment we are born in this world, we will never get any younger. Even when we shave our face. (laughs) Now, we don't want to always look at it this way. But it's the truth. And so we couch it in other words that tend to be more digestible. We say it's growing old. Or maybe even distinguished. (laughs) But dear Christian, our fleshly bodies will give way. Death will come. But there is the spirit of the living God in you. The Holy Spirit dwelling with permanent residence in you. 
It's that new nature. It says, Chris said he, when he quoted Paul from 2 Corinthians, for you are a new creation. Because we, what has happened to us with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is what Jesus said must happen to us and that we have had a second birth. We have been born again. And from the moment of the Spirit's dwelling in you, you have been made ready for heaven. One pastor has said, um, often quoted, the day of our death is better than the day of our birth. It's hard to look at it that way and imagine it sometimes. But when we look at the promises of Scripture, there's no other way to see it. For Scripture promises that on the day of our death, those who are in Christ will feel no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. That we will be with our Father in heaven in his embrace forevermore. That we will no longer know death. We will no longer know sin. We will no longer know the frailties and the weaknesses that our fleshly bodies afforded us. But we will receive new, glorious, heavenly bodies. And that's exactly what Paul says. He says, since the Spirit, I know in my translation it says, if uh, a better translation of the Greek really is since, it's, it's really the, the point Paul's trying to make here. It's not an if-then, it's more of a since, it's a because so since the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. For at our conversion, our second birth, we received a spiritual resurrection. For we were dead, dead in our trespasses. And the spirit came and resurrected us to life. And it is also true. We who are in Christ Jesus are promised, sealed by the Spirit, guaranteed. For God would have to stop being God for him not to fulfill his promise of resurrection to a glorified body. So not only do we have the Spirit taking up permanent residence, because the Spirit has taken up permanent residence, we can trust without wavering that God will fulfill his promise to us. But right now, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I stumble. I fall down. I fall short. But... Because of our faith in Christ, our faith in his death and his resurrection, when we stumble, when we fall down, when we fall short, the Holy Spirit stands us back up in grace 
because we deserved it, but because of grace. And we have received our verdict. No condemnation. And it stands today, tomorrow, and forevermore. We've been given the Holy Spirit living in us to pick us up, to give us the strength we need to march forward each day, to give us the courage it takes for the ministry of reconciliation, for the love it takes to live out the light of Christ. So rest assured, you are, you who are in Christ Jesus will always be in Christ Jesus. For since you have been born again and given the permanent residence of the Holy Spirit, you have the power to battle the flesh and be victorious. This week, a friend and pastor of mine sent me a message, not only spoke to me, but I wanted to share it with you. He writes, once when he was deeply depressed, possibly due to a sense of personal failure, a friend wrote to share what he thought God was saying to his friend David Watson, who was a Anglican minister who has been described as the English churchman who had the greatest influence on Christianity in Great Britain since the Second World War. His friend wrote this. This is what he thought God was saying to his friend. My child, I want you to know and feel that I know and I love you. I love you because I first knew you. I know you at depths that are even hidden from you. My spirit searches every corner of your being. I love you not because I don't know and understand you, but because I do know and understand you. I want you to know and feel that I love you as you are, not because of what you have already achieved for me in my power, not because of what you hope to achieve, but because of who you are, my child, who has nothing to prove but the depths of your father's everlasting and unchanging love. I know I need to hear this daily, and I suspect some of you do as well. So may you hear it today. God loves you. God bless and amen.